0: Welcome to the Tim Biscuit Podcast, um, we have a brilliant guest on today, and introduce yourself.
1: I'm Alex Mitchell, I'm the early surviving vet, to my knowledge in the world, with the level of blood clots that I had, Um is a reaction to primarily the AstraZeneca vaccine.
0: Now you say you had a reaction, was this from the first vaccine Or was it from your second dose, or was it from the third dose? It was from the
1: first dose. I received my first dose of vaccine, which was the AstraZeneca, on the 20th of March 21. And everything was fine until about the 1st of April. (laughs) The irony. Um, I developed some issues in my calf muscles, but being a construction worker, a scaffolder by trade, you do these things all the time, but by... A year today, this very day that we are talking, I collapsed at home and was rushed to hospital. Spent seven and a half hours in surgery having clots removed from my abdomen, my right leg, and my left leg. Unfortunately, the the battle for my left leg didn't look as if it was going to be successful, and a week today. I lose my left leg, which I'm now an amputee.
0: Blimey. That's that's great. What was your view on COVID and the vaccination stance before you had this? And what is your view now compared to what it was before?
1: It's a very good question. Um, And strangely enough, my view hasn't changed Um, other than maybe slightly be a bit more aware. What I would say is that there's no argument there was a virus that's not up for debate this virus kills people also it wasn't up for debate at that time we needed something we needed it quick so therefore the risks were slightly higher we knew that you know this is as a government or as officialdom society we knew that we accepted that's a higher risk we produced the vaccine the rollout in the uk Logistically, it was of military grade. It was, you know, we. Have, we I've said this uh, previously, we have to be proud of the logistics of what we achieved. Whether we agree with what we achieved it with, is a different story, but the fact that we managed to pull that off logistically to get the vaccines out, to get them by age, to, to sweep up the first, second, third, and, you know, so forth, to tell you who's missed and who's not missed, that was an incredible feat of logistics. But to to know that we had those risks, those higher risks, possible higher risks, to to, to negate that, you would think, well, if we're going to have a higher risk, we have to put something in place to ensure that should it go wrong, because there's a slightly higher risk, there is a protection, a support package, a care package. All they did was existing benefits – and they took a system for the 1970s called the Vaccine Damage Payment Scheme, mm-hmm. um, which and added two words to it, COVID-19 vaccines. Now, I'm not anti-vaccine. If I was, I wouldn't be in a position that I'm in now. I took it to try and save lives at the time, to try and protect the NHS, you know, to do the right thing, as the government said. At that time, there was no official reports coming out of anything going wrong with any of these vaccines. In fact, that very week, the BBC ran a story saying they were safe, as did the government. You know, so there was no knowledge that there was problems. But to, to find that the, that the vaccine damage payment scheme was the only thing that that that, they, that changed two words to words is actually important to me. You know, the system, as I say, was set up in the 1970s, it's a one-off payment of £120,000. £120,000 sounds like a lot of money, but it's not when I've lost my livelihood for the rest of my life. So,
0: no, no. You
1: know, if, if I was if I was a victim of any other crime, because this is a crime, I believe, and it will, this will be born now, now um, that I would... The punitive damages would reflect the injuries.
0: Yeah, I'm, I just wanted to bring you back. I'm going yeah, to come sure. back to the cash, and I've, I'm just just reading off like my notes. The cash and the reprisals, and what's happening now. To how many vaccine shots have you had of this? I have vaccine, a, vaccine. I have one. and
1: I have paperwork uh, from the haematology experts uh, confirming that. What happened to me is a reaction to a vaccine and therefore I will not be allowed to have any further vaccines.
0: That's answered two more of my questions in one. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I, I was about to ask you, would you get another vaccine but, you've, but like you've answered that because you said the um, the um, blood guys, the haematologist, yeah. says that you're not allowed one. And it's also said... It is the AstraZeneca vaccine that gave you the blood cuts in your left leg, which is due to be amputated, as you say, week today.
1: Yes, I have the, all the paperwork from um, the haematologist, the haematologist team here at Myers University Hospital in East Kilbride in Glasgow as a part of a team of, I think there's six haematologist professors up there who are part of a team of eight teams throughout the world. And these are the eight teams that classified VIT, confirmed it, and they've confirmed it in writing, I have it from them, that what's happened to me is solely down to the AstraZeneca vaccine.
0: If someone came to you and said, what do you think of me getting the vaccine? Because me, like myself speaking now, haven't had the vaccine, I haven't had any of them, I'm not planning to get in it. Any of them, but if someone came to you and said, "What do you think of me getting my first vaccine shot?" What would you say? Especially what's happened to you now, and going back to when you said you was all for the vaccine because it COVID was real, it was killing people. This and that. If someone wanted an advice of you, and I know it's probably, and I'm not being disrespectful when I say no, this, but, no, but you're not, but but you're not the best advertisement for getting the vaccine. No, you're
1: you're right. I probably not. Um, what else is what I've said from probably June when I started to realise that I wasn't one in a million, I wasn't so rare that I was starting to see figures that, that were saying that I, there wasn't just me, I, I wasn't one of 215 possibles. To suddenly see that there was more and more, and the numbers are now that there's 438 cases of that um, that has been highly suspected, shall we say. Um, What we'll say, that's the claims that have been submitted to the Vaccine Damage Payment Scheme. Now, of of those 78 fatalities, there's already has been 13 coroner's reports confirming it could only have been caused by
0: the AstraZeneca vaccine. Is it just this AstraZeneca vaccine that's causing these blood clots, or is it other vaccines as well? It's predominantly the AstraZeneca
1: vaccine that's responsible for the condition that's classified as VIT. What that means is vaccine-induced thrombiotic thrombothenia. Sounds like a, bit, a lot of words. All it means in layman's terms is that a vaccine has caused my blood to, my platelets to drop and my blood to clot. Right. And, and there's one more key factor. There's an antibody in everyone's blood. It's called my, negative PF4. That's at microscopic level, along with your white blood cells, your red blood cells, and your plasma. You've got that's what keeps your blood the consistency and thickness that it sits at. It's a negative to keep it that nice consistency. What the the vaccine has done in in vit cases has actually transformed a negative antibody into a positive antibody, which means my blood just instantly wants to clot
0: right it could could have they done a test beforehand to like see if this would happen be because you know, have you said that as you said at the beginning of this podcast that there was a tremendous effort to rush this through and that's one thing that was worrying a I, lot of people I of I it being think, rough yes yeah, it's, yeah,
1: it's a very very good question and one I, I, I'm, I'm all honest i don't know the honest answer um What I think is that possibly, maybe in the the background or in the future, they may get to that situation. I'm not I'm not confident that we're at that level. I don't think there's anything that would predominantly picks out one individual or another individual that would be more susceptible to
0: this would you still take a vaccine not just a COVID vaccine because we've obviously covered that you're not allowed that vaccine but does that cover I've, any other vaccine for like I've, say a chickenpox yeah. vaccine for instance i've had all of my vaccines all my life but would you have another vaccine after you know what could happen or has happened um, to you
1: i would do a hell of a lot more research i would need to see the actual verified independent safety data Mhm. I would need some sort of a guarantee that should it go wrong, there is a support package for my care for life. It,
0: I'll just I'll just say something. Be you were sort of guarantee now. No vaccine is hundred percent safe, and everyone understands that. And a lot of people in the comments of the papers, Twitter, message boards, Reddit, etc., was saying it's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen to you. There's a one in say a thousand chance of it happening to people but you are the living proof it can happen and it can happen to you yes. so when you hear people say that say oh it won't happen to you it's going to happen like one in a thousand i don't think it'd be it, but it has happened to you what's your attitude towards them people we know uh, the vast majority of people haven't had damage from this vaccine or vaccines but that doesn't help people like yourself who's lost a leg yes and other people who lost loved ones and like lost their life to this vaccine
1: what I, what I do say to people is do your research if you you know find out what you can about each vaccine find out which one you think is the right one for you you make yourself an informed de- decision based on an informed choice which is knowing what the risks are if there are any risks if, if you take that risk that's fine but you should also know that should that risk be come to for to fruition, shall we say, that there is a package there that will care for you. You know, that's this is what this is more down to than anything else. I I'm not anti vaccine, I'm not pro vaccine. I'm very much a case of do your research and make your decision. Whatever your decision is, I will defend you to my last breath. If that is to decide not to have the vaccine or to decide to have it, because that's democracy. I don't believe forcing people to take it was the right answer.
0: I don't think we I well. I don't think I know forcing people's not the answer to taking of like a vaccine. But again, and I and I keep going on about this. You are living proof for a lot of people, the vast majority of people, yes, for not taking this vaccine. I and, I, and like, you trusted the government. You were like, I mean, like our views on COVID differ because I'm not so sure that it is. What people say it is, but I'm not so sure myself anymore. No. So, do you I feel didn't. betrayed by the government and these people who were forcing or sort of like belittling and be like berating people for not taking the vaccine? Has your view changed towards them, people now, and the whole thing what goes with it?
1: I believe these people will meet the fate that they deserve. I believe that these people will be. How shall we say properly showing the damage that they've done and the 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 connections that goes from the top all the way down you know there's something clearly seriously wrong when the the major health organizations around the world at the, the vast majority of the directors are people that have been sponsored and all the research has been sponsored by pharmaceutical companies that is a conflict of interest. These people saying that a vaccine or something, anything is safe, has to be a conflict of interest. These things must be independent, because clearly, have we not learned anything from the thalidomide scandal?
0: Well, I'm too young to to remember that, but like like again, there was a lot of similarities
1: between it
0: being rushed through and people taking it and
1: I I, I have got serious concerns that, you know, if you know something's causing a problem, you either stop causing the problem or you negate the problem. Right. You you, will never 100%. You're absolutely correct. There won't be a scientist in the world or a physician that will tell me 100% what's happened to me has been caused by the AstraZeneca vaccine scientifically that will never happen by half paperwork that says most likely caused and that is the most that you will get any scientist professor to put towards anything scientific
0: yeah what's it because that bits out like you know that bits out of like the way now how did it all start and take us through your story of this last year because it just must have been crazy for you
1: Um, yeah, as I say, a year ago today, I collapsed at home, uh, blue lighted to hospital, and came round in a, a hospital with this lady in front of me asking, did I know who I was and where I was? And I said, well, I know who I am, and I know I'm in a hospital, but I don't know where. And she explained to me, told me, you know, we needed to go for a CT scan. Uh, and we need to go now. And I said, right, okay, need permission. Didn't say much. Uh, the CT scan finished. Well, it wasn't even finished, it was still spinning. And she was standing beside me and said, we need to go to theatre and we need to go now. And that said, quick? Yeah, on, that man. quick. And I said, she said, I said, I take it in trouble. And she said, the worst kind of trouble. <laughs> and I said, how bad? And she just, she didn't say anything. I knew by the look on her face. And I said, well, just do the best you can. Um, and she rushed, she was just about to rush me into theatre. And I said to her, look, I need to make a phone call. Um, Made the phone call that you do. Do you never want to make? And I yeah. moved into theatre. Uh, that happened within... Ten minutes. It was a five-minute phone call. That's all I could do. Uh, come around seven and a half hours later, with the same lady, who is an angel of some sort, um, in front of me, and she's explained to me that she's managed to save my right leg and my abdomen. And all of a sudden, I'm still quite groggy at this point, and I'm said, "What do you mean, my right leg and my abdomen?" Because when I collapsed, it was my left leg that I could feel the most issue with. And she said, "Well, you'd clots." And I said, "Clots? What do you mean? What do you mean clots?" She said, "Well, plural." And I said, "Well, how many?" She said, "Multiple." And I said, "Well, I'm really confused. What, what do you mean multiple? Because I, I, I'm really struggling to understand. Is it medication I'm on?" And she said, "No. Um, I spent seven and a half hours taking." that many blood clots out of you that we caught, we couldn't count them anymore. Finally. Um, and she just looked and she said, you are a miracle. You're still here. We don't know why you're still here, but you're still here. And, you know, at that point, she explained, unfortunately, I think you're going to lose your left leg, uh, was explained it was likely to be at that point and above the knee. Um, got some, I got uh, five minutes to sort of uh, process that information because it was really a choice of either my leg or my life. It's not really a choice, but you do, don't know why you kid on you're going to think about it, but you can't really think about it. Your head's just swirling with everything. Um, and she come back in and I, I asked was any possibility it could be a below the knee, because at this point I'm a scaffolder. I may not do the full job anymore, but I could go back to do what I love doing.
0: And she brought in... Do you love scaffolding?
1: Yeah, I'm a scaffolder. I've been a scaffolder. Nah, I'm not, yeah, yeah, I
0: mean, but do you like, sort of love it? Do, do you like the job?
1: Oh, I loved it. Absolutely loved
0: it. I used to be a scaffold labourer on an oil site. <laughs> Did you hate it? Uh well, when they're like sort of thirty foot up and just tapping their head and going five boards and singles and doubles and twenty ones and everything and bass plates. Yeah, it doesn't bring back good memories. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. <laughs>
1: no, that's okay. I did it for seven years. Believe it or not, I went into it when I was fifty. By me. Yeah, uh that's another story but I'll tell <laughs> that one day. But if I changed I, I was in business management and uh Team leaders and back branch managers, sort of a, for about thirty odd years, um, and had a change of career's path, shall we say, and absolutely
0: loved it. There you go. Well, so when like from changing jobs to something you love, um, all joking aside, and this thing has actually ruined that for yeah. you. Yeah, well,
1: yeah sorry. Um, the reason that I was asking for a pelotoni was because I wasn't. I want. I I, I'm an old-fashioned mod. Um, you know what a mod is, yeah.
0: Yeah, Lambretta scooters, quad yeah. bike, Daphinia, Who the Jam, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that's the kind of genre. Um, I I've been a mod since 1977.
0: Wow, cool.
1: And I've. I dress in mod. I live mod. It's a lifestyle. People think that it's about the music, the clothes, and the skirts. Yeah, that's a big part of it. But for it's a way of life for me. That and I genuinely mean that. I live by the values that I set when I was seventeen as a young mod. And forty years later, I still live by those values, and have to try and be the best possible version of us that we can be. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we can all sit and be negative about life. Because there's lots of life as negative. But there's so much more that you could see is so much more positive. See the good in life. There's far
0: more good in this life than there is bad. I can... people, people listening to this would sort of think, if I was in his place, I wouldn't be thinking the good in life. I'd be really angry, upset that I've just lost the, I job, am. the, the like impact it's had on you. You sound very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Very acceptance sort of um, it like, sort of, oh, all. <clears throat> like, sort of very, it's happened. I can't dwell on that. I've got to move forward and yeah. see well, what I've got.
1: My mother, God love her, um, was an absolute legend in East End of Glasgow. Uh, she raised five of us on her own and worked bars for 60 years. Legend of a woman. Um, and she always said... It is what it is. You can't change it. So what are you going to do about it? I can't I'm change true. it. Nothing's going to bring my leg back. No amount of money, no amount of dreaming, no amount of crying. Nothing's going to bring my leg back. So I can't change that. So what do I do? I can sit in the corner feel sorry for myself. Yeah, I'm entitled to do that. and I don't think anyone would grant me any ill feeling for that. And anyone that does that is entitled to do so because it's so easy to, to, to be there. Because that's the easy place, believe it or not. People think that's a hard place to be. It's not. That's the easy place. The hard place is to go every morning and say, this ain't getting me. I'm sorry. You tried once. You ain't getting me. That's my attitude.
0: No. no. You sound very, um, not happy, but so sort of very passionate about it.
1: Oh, I'm very passionate about It's probably not the
0: right word. No, you're
1: right. You're right. Passion is very much the word. I'm very passionate about what I do in my life. I'm very passionate about what I am in my life. And I'm very passionate about what I fight for in my life. You know, that's for justice for, and I've always, I hate bullies. And to me, this is a form of bullying, to a certain extent. You know, the big boys deriding us, belittling us, ignoring us, denying us. Making really, really ridiculous comments on the House of Commons, you know, <clears throat> it's not helpful. There's 920 people in the UK that are that they're medically feel are more than 60% disabled because that's the the, the the cut off to to claim a vaccine damage payment scheme.
0: What, that's, you're 60 years old, did you
1: say? No, 60, 60% disabled. Ah, right, sorry. So you have to be a minimum of 60% disabled. To claim in the first place. So what about if you are fifty percent disabled? So if you've lost a hand, right, you yeah. don't qualify.
0: This I is was just about to ask you what's what's like the percentage measured on, and the word I was looking for is positive. You've got a very very positive attitude and outlook on things, yes, yeah. yeah. compared to what you've got, but. How, how would they work out the percentage of how someone's disabled? Well, so there, yeah, um, there is a sliding
1: scale that is uh, widely used and accepted by all European governments. Um, that goes from zero to 100% disabled. My understanding is that that is used consistently uh, via sort of like UK insurance companies and things like that. And it's widely accepted that if, you know, if you have lost, uh, in my case, uh, an above the knee amputation, on that alone, I'm around about 75% severely disabled. But if if I add in the other condition that, the other issues that Fitz brought on, you know, who knows where that goes, because there's the the brain fog that... When I'm talking sometimes I lose my track of where I'm going and I have to be reminded and brought back. Or sometimes I end up rambling on and that's when I look for people to to sort of bring me back. So we don't even know the full extent of that damage yet. I'll be monitored for the rest of my life. I give my blood every two weeks and I have a conference call with one of the six haematology specialists that I'm now in first name terms with them all.
0: And has that got to be for the rest of your life?
1: At the moment, that's how it's looking because the the figures have not moved. And with my blood, with a PF4 positive, it's still more than 100% and hasn't moved in at least the last three months.
0: So going back to when you asked them, could you have it below the leg? Because we got sidetracked with scaffolding yeah. and then we <laughs> went on one. <laughs> what happened when you said, can I have it below the leg? I mean, how far is it up and... Well, you know, they, what did they
1: say? Oh, the, what, the, they brought the, 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 the surgeon in, uh, who is also a vascular surgeon. Um, I, again, I won't name him. And he's of Swiss-French descent, I believe. Um, I call him my crazy professor. It's so the best way. He's Doc out of Back to the Future. Lovely <laughs> man. Lovely man. Very, very clever, but cares so much about his patients which obviously I wouldn't that time. He came in, uh, asked me and explained, you know, I drive vintage scooters. I've got a vintage scooter. Is this going to be okay? And it took a bit of explaining, getting my phone, showing him what the mod culture is, what it was, and eventually got it. And he said, I don't know. But I will, and I said, well, can I have a week to try? And he said, yes. And he explained everything I was going to witness, go through, experience during that week, and he didn't lie. With hindsight, I also recognised that he wasn't giving me a week. My body wouldn't have been strong enough to be amputated at that point. I wouldn't have survived. They they gave me the week to try and build me up a bit. Mm. You know, um, lovely man, and he... He will forever be my hero. Um, I found him walking in the car park of the hospital a couple of weeks ago, going back to my car. Uh, luckily, I still drive because I've lost my left leg and I can drive an automatic. <laughs> uh, yeah, some things you've got to bless your luck. Small things, you've got to go for them. And as I was going back to the car, he was in the car park. And he, could, he wouldn't pass, he was chatting away. I said, What are you doing? He said, I've got five patients that I'm doing today, and two of them are really difficult, so I'm going over my head how I'm going to best do it. That's dedication. Beyond belief. What a lovely, lovely man. Um, So he gave me the week, and unfortunately, as we know, it didn't work. Right. Uh, And a week later, um, I was scheduled for surgery on the Friday. There was an anomaly. Uh, I think there was a small infection in my system and they put it off to the Saturday. The Saturday morning, we had some issues with uh, my pain levels. At that point, the morphine I had went through wasn't quite cutting anymore and my pain levels were being monitored up to the levels of 20. At that point, I would say that the worst it got to 19, um, I honestly think I was going... I was close to losing my sanity. I've never experienced that pain like it. Um, but the, the anesthetist came in and tried a new procedure, which I won't go into here and now, but basically involved me... Because it was such a new procedure, all his students and anesthetists coming in and witnessing the procedure, which I didn't know involved um, putting a camera, not a camera, what do you call the ultrasound? Oh, right, yes. Through my buttock. Oh. (laughs) So I was there, I was, in a room, backside in the air. 17 people in the room behind me all watching this guy putting a needle on my butter on on a screen. It was brilliant. <laughs> but it worked uh, and that, that brought the pain levels down. It was called a nerve inhibitor. It's a new thing. Very, very good. Um, and then they discovered he t- the anesthetist, by some lucky chance, took a, a vial of blood for me and sent it off to be tested. And... For whatever reasons he did it. Thank you, because it turned out there was an anomaly in my blood, and they scrap the, the eight pints of blood that they had and manufactured eight pints more. I didn't know you could manufacture blood.
0: I was just about to ask that. What?
1: I, How? I no idea. I I I know that they took me seven hours to manufacture eight pints of blood. Meanwhile, obviously they were feeding me an incredible amount of morphine and obviously this nerve inhibitor just to try and get time to, to stabilise me and to have enough blood to make sure that I could survive. So I was told it would be, if it was a, an above the knee amplica- a, a amputation, it would take uh, an hour and a half. If it was a below the knee, because there's more veins down there, it would be two and a half hours to three hours maximum. And when I came out of the surgery, I knew within 15 minutes that I was above the knee. But something was off. I'm looking at my watch, and I'm thinking at the time, and there's two hours out. I've been in surgery for over five and a half hours. And the vascular surgeon came in, and he was absolutely desolate. He was really up. He was more upset than I was. <laughs> um, and he said, I'm so sorry. And I said, no. Obviously, there's something you've got to tell me. And he explained that even the smallest vein was just collapsing as soon as they touched it. And they were trying to save as much as they possibly could. And that's why it was was there so long. And my honest answer then, and it is now and it's not changed, is that, well, you have done everything you possibly can to save my leg. I know I have done everything I can possibly do to save my leg. But we, we have to just let that go. I can't, we can't change it, Phil. So we have, so I've said his name, we'll move forward. And the, within eight hours of being amputated, I was up on parallel bars, learning how to start to the, do the processes of learning how to get a prosthetic leg, how it's going to feel like, what it's going to feel like without standing up without a leg. Um, and being trained how to transfer from the bed to a wheelchair. There's a hilarious story about that, I can tell you if you want.
0: Yes, please, yeah.
1: Um, This is less than 12 hours after I've been amputated. They've shown me, I've done some physio, um, they're quite happy with me. They've taught me how to use the wheelchair and they've said, you can go back to the ward now. I was in a private room. I okay, but on the way to the ward, there's a big like, long corridor, and the, the ward is to the left of it, but about 130 yards in front of that is the front doors, or the side doors, shall we say. And I got faster and faster, being a scaffolder, I've got strong arms. And they realised, as I passed the, the entrance to Ward 4, I was heading for the door, and there was two nurses and a doctor running down the corridor trying to start me back. I managed to get outside and got some fresh air. And that's what I wanted. Two big gulps of fresh air. And the doctor said to me, what the F are you doing? And I said, I'm doing the best thing I know and the best medicine. Getting some fresh air and sunshine. And he said, I'm with you. And I agree with you. However, if you fall out of that chair, your blood that unstable, we can't save you. You need to be aware. That, I thought that was hilarious because, for me, I just wanted out from fresh air. And I still don't realise the implications of, of it. I, I think
0: I've got this, I don't fear death anymore. I no, well, sort of going through what you had and going, everything what's happened, I'm guessing a lot of things went through your mind. I'm guessing you had a good, hard think about Oh yeah. life and thus like sort of things like that. It like sort of brings a lot of things home to you, maybe.
1: Yeah, um, obviously in those places that, that you realise what's the what's important to you, and I think what I realised that I've already focused on what's important to me in my life. You know, <laughs> so therefore it's a case of I'm me. I'm already defined as me. So this has to adapt to my lifestyle and not me adapt to it. And I'll keep, that's the, the attitude I'll have for, for for the rest of my days. I, I'm not going to be wrapped up in cotton wool. I never was before. Because you don't batter about the, the, the roads of Great Britain on a rusty old scooter. And <laughs> torrential rain. And not have a few bit of spoils and spills and bumps and knocks along the way. I'm not, I'm not going to wrap myself in cotton wool. If it happens, it happens. I'll do my best for it not to happen. I'd quite like to keep you all entertained for a lot longer if I could.
0: How, so, so how's it affected your relationships with your family, your friends, from what's happened? Cause like, you say is, like all this has happened within the last year? Mm-hmm. So, a year to do, a year today.
1: Yeah, um, what I will say is that I have three brothers and a sister who have all rallied around me. Uh, my wife has been absolutely incredible given what she's had to uh, 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 endure through this whole ordeal. Uh, my two daughters from my first marriage have dealt with this in a way that made me so proud of them because. No family should have to deal with this, and they've, they've been absolutely incredible. I'm lucky that because of the scooter scene, I've got a lot of friends in the scooter scene. So I, th- I get a lot of social contact that way. I've got people that pop in on a regular basis, coffees, and that's been pretty much there since the day one. Yes, yeah, some friends have. Step back, um, and that's fine because not everyone can deal with it and understand that. And I, you know, I can accept that. You know, not everyone can and wants to deal with it. I don't have a choice. I have to deal with it, um, but I don't hold that against anyone if they did. You know, I because it's, it's not. I don't. I, I I've thought about this, and I've got a couple of mates that you know that we say they're my best mate. And I don't know, I really don't, wouldn't, wouldn't want to see my mate like mm. Um, But I would be there for them, And many of mine have, and for that I'm ever grateful. And social media, Twitter has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, there's been some abuse on it. That goes with the territory. I can deal with that. I can live with that. Um, what I do say is the ends that I have put up is factual. I don't see the need for me to lie. I don't need to flavour up what's already the truth. Yeah. You know, the, the cold, hard facts are far more damning.
0: I don't think I'd be as positive and as calm as you. You're um, handling such I a... I have
1: anger. Let's not... Good, oh, it? no,
0: yeah, I'm... I'm. But I'm. But that's of...
1: not directed at you, so why should I take it out on you? And and I mean that in the sense, where, you know, like people in social media are asking questions. Of
0: course, people are
1: interested if they want to ask questions, hard questions. I don't mind answering the hard questions because I think if I'm going public with it, the people have got a right to ask.
0: Of course Yeah, true.
1: Is it's if, if people ask the question, how should we say, decently, and a and a a general manner that's not rude you know, or abusive or offensive to me or anybody else for that matter, that is something totally different. Uh, that's that's not acceptable and not allowed to, in any society. Um, I was like that before this happened to me.
0: And how have you coped within the last year with, like, the life changes, like, sort of things we take for granted, like, sort of going to the shops, walking oh. to the shops, driving a car, you did say that you are on an automatic, so, um, but, like, by- Driving your scooter um going to work—just um, simple things like walking upstairs. If you know, uh, if
1: the, the reality c- is that there's not a single thing in my life that's normal anymore. Um, that is something that I'll have to adapt to in some ways. With regards to obviously, there's certain things I can't just—it's not an easy just nipping to the corner shop and getting some milk anymore. You know, I've got the rigmarole of if I'm in a wheelchair. And I'm not got my prosthetic leg on, then I've got to get the wheelchair all ready, dismantled, or get it folded up out the house, into the wheelchair, to the shop. What become what was a two minute job before is now an hour, a five to 15 minute job, sometimes an hour job. Time does, doesn't does matter to me anymore, <laughs> I found out. Very
0: much. No, I'm sort of guessing a lot of things come into perspective and you realise. We are very lucky with things we've got and the like worries we did have we as a collectiveness uh, don't mean so much anymore if you've been through something like that. I'm not saying that's gonna be the same for everybody. No I'm no. saying from like what you've said you've got a very positive out. Look, you seem very calm, you seem very grateful for
1: I, I'm grateful for the support that I've had. I'm grateful for the fact that I've been so lucky that the NHS staff that I encountered were not only professionals, very good at their job, um, but cared. Uh, And I know very much that um, that's not the case for many stories that I come across. You know, I'm lucky in the sense that everything that has happened to me has been confirmed. There's no denying that. There's there's nowhere anyone can go to, 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 to dispute it, shall we say other people have the fight to just to prove that they're actually being injured with what they believe is the vaccine. I'm not saying every case is right, but the numbers just the the numbers are far too many now for them all to be wrong.
0: Do like people contest your story and do people say you're lying? I mean, I'm guessing they do, but how does that make you feel? Um.
1: Well, what I say is, you know, you can. Depending on whatever they say, I'll say, you can think or feel or say whatever you like. It's not going to change the facts that what's happened to me is what's happened. I can't change that. You can't change that. I've got all the paperwork. I've shown the paperwork that's been independently verified by an investigative journalist who saw some of it. Uh, and, you know, and that's just the the legal, the, the, the medical side of it. Never mind the sort of a correspondence that I'm dealing with through my local uh, MP or MSP member of Scottish Parliament to try and, who has been fighting and pushing to try and help us to get some sort of a resolution within the vaccine damage payment system. Uh, at the moment, that's probably my main and biggest fight and focus. You know... People can, yeah, people can say you know you're a liar, you're this and that. That's fine. I'm not here to change your mind. I'm not here to tell you to do or tell you to not do. I'm here to say look, this is happening, and if it does do, you're on your
0: own. Have have have, have you heard anything from? Um the government personally to say <laughs> to you and say, sorry, have you been in contact? I'm, I'm going to ask two questions in like yeah. sort of one. So I'm sorry. Have you had anything from like the government, the NHS, the people who make this vaccine like AstraZeneca? And has you been in contact with any more people who have suffered similar, I would say accidents, but it's not really an accident. I like, personally think it's disgusting. Yeah. Um, and I think you mentioned it about five minutes ago about something being normal, For like you, it's not normal, like sort of like anymore. When like you hear the government say the new normal, well, it is certainly a new normal for you. Again, I don't mean that with any disrespect. Again, I come back to: if I was you, I'd be gunning for blood. I'd be burning the system to the like ground. But you're so positive, and you're such a nice guy, and it's like it's it's just shit what's happened, and.
1: That's why I, I'm asking, hasn't yes, as so the government
0: sh- apologised? No nope. They made no.
1: Nope. Uh, I, I have absolutely no support from the UK government in any form other than benefits, which is, per, which is for anyone that's disabled would automatically get after 10 months. That took 10 months to get paid. Um... Not one of the 920 claims for vaccine damage payments been made in the last two years have received any support from the government, any contact to say, how can we help you? We're sorry this has happened to you. Many of us have actually contacted AstraZeneca, myself included, and had some dialogue with them, who then tried to do some sneaky stuff by asking for access to records that they didn't need access to, uh, asking for information that they already had and didn't need, as per government policies, um, and for suddenly the the emails stopped, and then they got deleted. We have a, we have record of the there's been emails back and forth from AstraZeneca, but they've all been deleted by AstraZeneca. And I can tell you on at least fifteen to twenty people that that has happened to.
0: Do you feel betrayed by yes, the, yes, the, the governments? Do you, do you be, Feel betrayed by him like the people who like pressure other people to get the vaccine. Do you feel betrayed by like the media? Because there was a massive push, a massive push on this vaccine yeah. saying play your part, do your part. Now, Alex, you've done your part and by doing your part, you've lost a leg. Yep. Yeah. Um, That's well, just fucking you- crazy to me. How like do you see he's, these you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the anger's there, and it's directed at the right people. And I will spend my entire days trying to bring these people to account for what they've done, not just to me, for the way they've done it. It's the fact, if it goes wrong, and no, there's nothing 100% safe, I am not disputing that. What I'm saying is, if you decide to that point, to just add two words, then you are culpable. You knew exactly what was going to happen. So therefore 920 people are now sitting, some of them a year and a half, myself a year today, still waiting on some sort of a acknowledgement, recognition, support from our own government. That is horrific in any form, and given that we're supposed to be the best society in the world, now our society, we legal society, we a political society, is followed all over the world. It was, but not anymore. We used to be so respected. It's discussing what this government has done. It's discussing the fact that they're consistently ignoring it. The the media have gaslighted us. And I can show you that every single major media station, major reporter, investigative journalist and reporter have all been contacted with my story via someone else on my behalf and saying, who last contacted so and so. And there's been only one person I have had an interview with <clears throat> and that was just two people, yourself and uh, Sonia Poulton on uh, brand YouTube, Rise.
0: That's yes, a- yes, I am like, so Sonia came, I all like, you a discussion with Sonia.
1: Yeah, um, you know, so that's, that's where we're at, is that Twitter is kind of shutting down a lot of the accounts, saying for disinformation, and I've consistently said, I'm quite happy to stand up on any court of law in any land and provide my paperwork verifying everything that I say. Are you? No one's
0: taken taken up on that yet. Yeah, how do you feel, uh, and again, like like, we're talking about to the government, how do you feel with them pushing this forth? I don't like the word jab because it makes people sound like, Catalyve like sort of like even though people might think we are Catalac at the minute, but um we'll say this excuse me, sorry, we'll like say loosely a vaccine. Yeah. What's what's some like your thoughts on the government's forcing well not forcing but pushing okay. this for vaccine?
1: <clears throat> I am struggling to understand why, um, because so many other trial vaccines or medication have been pulled with far, far less outcomes than what's been confirmed as to only have happened through certain vaccines. I'm struggling to understand why they push back on that. The the real worry I've got is that they're pushing stuff now uh, and people can call me whatever they want, but the the reality is they're now pushing to do the children from five years upwards.
0: Five to eleven now. Winter, I think.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> um, I I have said it publicly, and I'll say it here. Three easy questions: Is the safety data and has it been verified independently? Two: Will you support my child for life should it go wrong? Three: Will my government support my child for life if it goes wrong? If the answer to them is no. Why are you allowing doing this for Don't do it to go on holidays. For, Please, for the love of God. There's no safety data. We do not know what this is going to do. We had no. some safety data with the, 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 with the, the, the initial vaccine rollouts, uh, which have now seen that the Pfizer, you when know, they wanted to hide that data for 75 years, they have been forced to release it. And clearly we can see there's issues with the data. I'm not going to go into them because I'm not a conspiracy theorist. There's certainly issues with them from, shall we say, respected people in the field who have looked at these figures and reports and said, that information's missing. Why is it missing? Because that helps to to, to answer a question. Um, AstraZeneca certainly has been shown to be, how shall we see, uh, slightly less than, certainly by the coincidence of, how the reports come out, the name get changed, how it's not used in the UK. It's now called Vaxervia or Shield elsewhere. You know, so yes, I'm really concerned that the data that we now see that's coming out, AstraZeneca wasn't used in, in the USA because it failed the FDA test. The FDA stated that the data that they submitted was incorrect, out of date, and... And, uh, something else, unfit. Now, it's the same data that they, that they submitted to the UK Health Regulatory Authority, but we went ahead with using AstraZeneca. These are the concerns I have. There was no issues with clotting particularly, I can talk about fits particularly with with real experience and knowledge. Um, there was no issues with clotting and they didn't put any of these. The warning I got on the 20th of March when I got my first and only vaccine. Well you may have a sore arm for a couple of days and you may have flu like symptoms. That was a, I didn't get a leaflet. Nothing. You know that's not informed. That's not educated. Especially when we know that this there's reports that were sent in the, the first week of February highlighting certain issues that they didn't do anything to the end as I say in mid April. Why the delay?
0: And, and and i can't understand why other reporters the bbc or itv or whoever hasn't come to you for your story because like so sometimes the bbc and um do print these horror stories of people dying one of their own tv no not tv sorry one of the radio presenters I
1: her husband very well now we right speak? Uh, Lisa Shaw was a BBC presenter who was one of the, the VITS cases who sadly passed, confirmed to be Vastuzeneca. As is Lord Zion who de- passed in December. has fatal inquiry is due uh, very shortly. Uh, as is Lucy Munger's uh, mother. Um, as is Stephen Wright, the doctor, who who's passed away. Another Stephen, I can give you at least 13 names. These people are in my memory and will live with me for the rest of my days because I should be with these people, and I'm not. So I'm their voice, and that's the argument my fight for the rest of my days. I will get justice for those that are not here.
0: The media should be covering this. This should be shouting from the rooftops. But, like, it's just swept under the carpet. Yeah. And And that's bullshit. You
1: know, we're shouting, screaming from the rooftops. There's lots of public people's support. You can see by some of the responses in social media that there's more and more people realising, this is not wrong. We need to deal with this. It's not going to go away. You know, unless the hope is that we do go away. And I'm very cynical because it's just been announced last week that the government are now looking for a £6 million tender for medical assessors to assess the vaccine damage payment claims. And it's a five-year contract with a two-year extension that starts in March this year. So that's another seven years we could all be fighting just to be recognised and given some sort of a financial help.
0: So what things have you been given then from sort of the government? What the might sort of i might to use the word compensation because I think it's a bit of a crass word to use yeah. in this situation, but um, what have you been given in terms of anything,
1: um, I suppose? The sum total of the help and the support I've received is PIP, which took 10 months of fighting to get eventually. I got that on uh, 2nd of December, and given this happened on a year ago today, and I got what's called employment support allowance. Now, because I was employed, and I'd been employed for seven years, um, my sick pay ran for six months at £96 a week. After six months, you go into what's called employment support allowance. It, just, it, it means that your national insurance stamp is still paid, and you're still employed by the company, you're on the books, but no actual your pension still in your qualities you're still an employee sort of thing you've got certain rights unfortunately I'm no longer an employee I was medically retired and made redundant so basically I have had absolutely no other help other than standard
0: state benefits
1: I've had I'm nothing
0: time for you to get that as well didn't it
1: yeah well the employment support allowance finally come in on the 23rd of December now i don't know about anyone else but like most people i've got a mortgage i've got two cars i've got a lifestyle i had a lifestyle i I do eat i do use electricity i do eat food far less now than i ever did because i don't have any appetite because of the volume of medication that i'm on you know so how how am i supposed to survive all this uh, added trauma and stress it's bad enough on me, but what makes me so angry is that as a husband, my wife, the, the woman that means everything to me, who stood by me, been for there for me, supported me, she suffered. That's when you got me angry, and for that I will fight to the rest. I, I, I will haunt them for the rest of my living days, and I will haunt them for the rest of my dying days. That I assure you, if I can do anything in this planet, that is why they will never. I will never forgive them. and will never forget. I can't change what's happened to me. I can try and stop it from happening to somebody else.
0: Yeah, and that's the way you have to look at it. And and also, you've been so brave. It's because I think a lot of people, and I'm just generalising from me, maybe. But then again, we might be more resilient than like we think in certain situations. But I think I might have just broke down and just thought, what is the fucking point? Because yeah. it's, it, it's A, you're losing your leg, but it's not just that. Because, like, you went in trusting this vaccine would work yeah. for other people. And yet, and you believe the narrative on, um, sort of, COVID, and it just seems to be thrown back in your face and a massive fuck you.
1: Yeah. Um, um, what I'll say, Rick, is I genuinely believe that I am no different than any other guy that was brought up in a, a scheme, a council estate, whatever you want to call it. I was born and brought up in the east end of Glasgow, in the middle of the the famous Barras. You'll hear Billy Conley talking about the and I grew up there. It was a rough area. There's there's lots of rough areas in, in Britain, you know, so I'm no different from anyone there. Of a school of hard knocks, no different from anyone there. Just a hard working guy trying to get through this fucking batshit crazy life as best as we possibly can.
0: Yeah, as, and like it is batshit crazy these last two years and especially what's yeah. going on now, it's fucking ridiculous.
1: I, I, honestly, I, I clown you, world. I really don't know. I a, a, a fear for society. I really do. I I feel sorry for anyone young, so much younger than me. but that I mean anyone around about the 20, 30 mark and younger because the freedom that i had growing up and the freedom that i had as a a teenager a young man living the life doing what i did and enjoying the experience i've got that's gone and that breaks my heart that why should anybody be denied some of the wonderful experiences Mm -hmm. that we all experience doing the things that we love now, it may sound crazy to you tell, me telling you that driving through torrential rain at three, four o'clock in the morning up through Glencoe in Scotland, you know, to head into the sky was the most surreal, unbelievable experience I have ever had. You have something that you've had the same experience as whatever your passion is. Mm. And that's... I want people to have that. Why should you be denied it if I've had it?
0: No, true. Yeah.
1: You know, and I, I do, I feel for the young people because I don't know how old you are, Rick. And I'm, say, I'm 57. I did a I'm lot. 43. <laughs> right. So I, we've all done a lot of really stupid things in my life. But the only reason people know about them now, certainly for me, is if someone is there, tells them. And I tell you. Young people now, it's caught in camera, it's on social media, it's there for life, they're ridiculed for life. I don't know how to deal with that kind of pressure. I really don't. Yeah. And, and I think the pressure they've got to, if they want to go on holiday, to take something that may not be what they should be taking, look at what you're taking. Look at that. I'm not saying take it, don't take it. What I'm saying is don't just blindly jump in. Ask some questions.
0: That's, That's all I'm asking. What's your views on COVID now? Because before you um, were, you was following the narrative, but now you mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast. Excuse um, me,
1: that heart, you've got
0: reservations.
1: Yeah, I've got reservations that. Well, I'm, i I think what's not up for debate is that this virus existed. That's not for debate. It's not for debate that it killed people. What is up for debate is who is safe. To try and vaccinate and protect, shall we say? Um, it's looking like obviously there's a ninety nine percent survival rate if you catch COVID. It was anyone really over the, the age of seventy, I would say, in to be to be safe, that seemed to be the most at risk, and those with known underlying health conditions. Therein lies the problem. Not everyone knows that they have an underlying health condition. I know I don't, or I didn't have, because the doctors could tell
0: me that. <laughs>
1: um, I do have several underlying conditions now
0: but yeah so you was perfectly people. healthy before a vaccine and no disrespect but for a virus that's as like you've just said got a massively high percentage survival rate yeah. and for what I'm hearing to Lisa Shaw to like you um, and to other people you've mentioned I would rather take my chances with Covid
1: um, and I wouldn't disagree with you on that. Now, I know that now that there's at least four or five vips had COVID, because obviously that's a panic for, for people like me. What happens if we get COVID?
0: Well, yeah, because you've got a weakened immune system now. Before you've All of got... them,
1: I've not said there's anything different from most people when they've had this, that if it's a really, really bad, they thought they were dying because it was a really bad, bad cold feel feelings but it was you know obviously they improved um given what i know now medically what what I found out what should have been in the public domain what wasn't in the public domain um no i would never have took a vaccine there was no need for me to take a vaccine healthy wise
0: did you feel like, pressurized to, yeah, to like, take the vaccine
1: obviously you know you want to do the right thing you want to protect old people i just lost my mom in the august not through COVID, um, but we lost my mum at the height of COVID. So I'd, we didn't, we, we, my mum lost a lot of friends. She was 80 when she passed. So, had, you know, a, a, a lot of them were too COVID. So we knew it was old people that was really taking the brunt of this. Um, but I I just want to know now, no, we didn't need to go for everybody. We didn't need to do all of the holidays. We're vulnerable, we're protected, and if we'd invested all the money and to make sure it was, you know, tested a bit, more, a bit further to make sure it was safe for them, maybe many more people wouldn't be in the position we're in.
0: Yeah. You've like, so a massive thanks for sort of coming on like my podcast and telling us your story. No, my th- pleasure. You, you're a positive guy. You've been so brave. You seem like a genuinely nice guy as well in general. Um, this has probably made you even more nicer because <laughs> you've been through a shit show um what's in the future for you now what's sort of all the things i mean like you don't seem the type of guy that's just going to sit back and you're just going to fade away into the sofa what's some like your plans for the rest of your life
1: um well at the moment the first plan is obviously i was doing really well in my rehabilitation then had some setbacks uh we're can on the way out at the end that was a six month sort of a wasn't a good time for six months, um, but we're on the way out of it. So to get back to where I was six months ago, which was walking with the prosthetic leg with either no stick or with the aid of assets sometimes, um, that's going to take a bit of time. That's the first sort of a focus. The other focus is on getting the fight to try and get some sort of a help and support for not just me, but for everyone. Long term... Um, I've got a couple of things that in my head that I think you know what I'd like to do. That I think that may make a difference. Mm-hmm. It's not going to make a difference to me, but maybe make a difference to somebody else. Uh, but the probably the first and foremost thing I'm doing at the moment is I'm patiently two weeks maybe three weeks away from uh, getting my new restored, not new but new restored 1970 skidder back.
0: Is it a Lambretta or a Vespa?
1: It's a Vespa. Um, the Vespa that's in my profile pic on Twitter, that is a scooter that I would have bought when I was 16 if I could afford it, and I couldn't. And when I, about 10 years ago, yeah, 10 years ago, I managed to get a hold of one. And I drove it for a couple of years, then I totally did a full bare metal restoration, the only thing I didn't do was respray it. I did everything else, all the prep work. rebuilt it and sold it when I was in the hospital because I thought my scootering days were over. And two days later, realised that I did the wrong thing, but couldn't go back to the person that bought the scooter. I couldn't do that to somebody because what I did was, I did someone, what someone did to me. I, I did a favour, shall we say, Uh, (laughs) and I couldn't do that to them, and I sat there, but I've got a friend that I knew had two very rare vintage scooters that he had stripped down and were in crates and in storage, that was his pension fund, I've stole half his pension fund, (laughs) I blackmailed him into selling me this 1970 Vespa GTR. It's a very classic scooter. Um, it's been fully restored. All we've done is put a modern engine with uh, modern wiring to make it more reliable for myself, for breakdowns, if I can go. Not sure if I'll ever go, be able to go, but if I don't try, I'll never know.
0: That's very true. So, if people wanted to know more about your story, where could they find you? Uh, you know, just wanted to find out a bit more, maybe help or find out more about, more in depth?
1: The Probably the best place to get me is on Twitter. Um That's where I'm probably more prominent and more visible at the moment, uh, and I've spent a lot of time on there, as you probably know. Today may not be a day to do that, um, as if you've looked at my Twitter feed, I've come off it for the last four or five hours. Um it's like a fruit machine, the notifications, I can't keep up with them, which is wonderful. Uh, so, if, if but Twitter's probably the best place to, to reach out to me. I try, do try to respond to every single person that makes a comment or likes a tweet. Uh, I try and put a like or a thank you. Um if I haven't, it's because I've either not saw it or I've, it's, I, it's, Maybe thought, you know, that's maybe a bit rude. I don't think that deserves a response. But for most people, I've got to be honest, 95% of people are nothing more than supportive, want to be helpful, or are just want to know what VIT what is, what happens, what kind of support you get, how do you go about getting it. I don't mind answering these questions. I really don't, because I had to find out the hard way. I'd rather somebody else found out the easy way. The easy way.
0: Yeah, that's it. Well, a massive thanks for for coming on. It's been a staggering one hour, 10 minutes coming up. Oh. To, so it's been good. Um, my podcast is always open to yourself and anyone else in your predicament or anyone else who wants to get their story across. Uh, oh. Again, it's, it's it's just open to anyone.
1: I look forward to actually so, coming back to you with any update or
0: news. You are I mean, more than welcome. You're more than welcome and like sort of like even if you just wanted to share your fight or get it cr- like across it's it's just always here for you. And that goes for everyone thank as well. Thank
1: you Rick so much for having me on. And awesome. thank
0: you very much and thank just you. just carry on that good fight and I'm 100% with you. 100% thank you. The thank, thank you very you. much Alex. Take, Take care, care. Boy. Take care. Right. bye. Bye bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. The Tin Diskies Podcast.